Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series, Revelation, the end of the beginning. The book of Revelation can be an incredibly confusing and even frightening read, but it wasn't meant to be either. In fact, behind the violent and alarming imagery of Revelation lies a world of beauty as we see the self-sacrificial love of Christ forever triumph over the darkness we encounter all too often in our world. In this series, we take a deeper look at what the disciple John wrote and why, dispel common misconceptions of what it all means, and celebrate our glorious future it promises. I just want to recap for a moment. At the beginning, we're walking all the way through the book of Revelation, okay, and I'm going to move quickly here, and we met this guy named John. John was one of the original disciples. He knew Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He saw Jesus perform all these miracles, and because of of his testimony and because he stood up for Jesus, it landed him at 90 years old on a rock island in prison. Sentenced to death. This, they, they would let you just die in this prison. And John, the island was called Patmos, on a death sentence. And so we saw in chapter one, we met John, and we said that chapter one was God's work in his church. That despite all these seven churches that he's writing to, going through most of them failing. Don't raise your hand. But have you ever experienced failure? Okay. These churches, yeah. <laughs> Don't call out mom and dad in service. Look, that, that, that will not end well for you. Macy is tired of me bringing her up during the messages. She told me that. So I'm going to have to not do that anymore. And I just did it, so I'm sorry. Um, got chapter one, God's work in his church And we found that God works in the mess, that God works even in our failings, like actively when we can't get it together, you know where Christ is? He's right in the center. In In a world where there's imperfect churches and imperfect people, what a comfort to know as a believer that these were all believers that were failing, that it doesn't scare God off. Or should it ever give me the idea that he has abandoned ship? No, he's in it with us. Chapters two and three, we saw God's word to his church. He basically called all these churches out on all their junk, calling even the church at Sardis dead. He said, look, you, you pretend and people, you've got people convinced that you're alive and you're a good Christian, but you're dead, which is a hard pill to swallow. Chapters four and five, we went into the throne room. We see John go into the throne room, and and he sees all these brilliant colors and schemes. He sees the people of God around the throne, represented by these elders. And then we see the scroll, okay, in chapter five. And this scroll is sealed with seven seals, and last week... We dove in to those seven seal judgments. And then look, judgment comes in the book of Revelation in three phases, okay? Three phases. Everybody say judgment. I know. Thank you. Yeah, this is for the kids too. You can say judgment. Now, thank you. Um, Judgment comes in three phases of sevens. Seals, okay? 
and then we'll find out today, the trumpets, and then the bowls or the vials. And nobody likes to talk about judgment. And you know why? Because it's not pretty. We went through the sealed judgments last week, all seven of them. We found the 144,000 evangelists that were in Israel, and they're going to go out and proclaim the gospel during the tribulation. We found out that the people of God are raptured up and out. And then today, we will go through um, three chapters. Somebody say, God help us. (laughs) Now, These are seven trumpets, seven trumpet judgments. And if I could tell you, if I could tell you how many times I've been asked this question by people in the church and people outside the church who watch online or friends uh, who know that I'm doing a Revelation series, and they're like, bro, that is a terrible idea. Save that for like a Wednesday night Bible study. Don't preach it on a Sunday. People will fall asleep. And I was like, yeah, I know. I saw it in person. Look, look, you, you don't have me fooled. Let me tell you something. When you're over there, I don't think you're in the spirit. Okay? So listen, you can be in the spirit with your eyes open. Let me tell you that. I'm just glad none of you have snored yet. Why, Carl? Why are you doing this? I want to give you three reasons. Um, before we jump into the judgments, and it comes out of 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. Let me read it to you. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do right. God uses it To prepare, everybody say prepare, and equip his people to do every good work. All scripture, all scripture, not just, and this is why the very first reason we're doing Revelation is because we like to do book studies here. We like to walk through a whole book. You know why? Because you can't skip the hard stuff. It is so easy in our culture today to kind of read what's easy. Read what makes us feel good, right? By studying through a whole book, we are forced to face even the uncomfortable stuff. Um, Second Timothy also tells us that we can see God. He uses all this to help guide us, direct us. He says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us. This should teach us something. And what is that? Um, That there is weight and penalty for our sin. There's judgment for that. Everyone will deserve it. There will be no one who is judged in Revelation who does not deserve judgment. Now this is the beautiful thing for people of God. This is the beautiful thing. This should point our hearts to Jesus in this. That he took it all on the cross. Man, that is, that's worth, that's worth a praise God. That's worth, thank you, Jesus. You know why? Because everything we're reading in Revelation was due to you. 
And Jesus took it and saved you from it. <laughs> oh, I could preach there for a little while. But then the third reason is this. Why? Why is scripture? What, what is the point of teaching us what is right and teaching us what is wrong? God uses it to prepare us, okay? He's to prepare us and to equip us for every good work. This is kind of like a mini sermon within the sermon. But hear me, if you don't hear the things in Revelation, I want everyone in this room, everybody, if you're a kid, if you're an adult, I want you to think of the people you love. I want, to th- I want you to think of the people you care for. I want you to think of those who have a place in your heart. And I want you to think of those who do not know Jesus. Why study Revelation, Pastor Carl? I'll tell you this. It should stir within us a desire to tell others that you don't have to go down this road. This isn't for you. God has grace and mercy to extend. It should need the hearts of a Christian. Because look, that judgment's not for us. That judgment was paid on the cross. But I don't... I don't want to see my siblings go to hell. I don't want to see my cousins end up in eternal judgment for rejecting God. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see my neighbor across the street burn eternally because I decided that I didn't want to read Revelation. I didn't want to know any about that. And so I I didn't want to warn them. That's the whole point of Revelation is to warn, to help us understand the weight of sin and its effects. And so you need to tell, you need to tell somebody about Jesus. God help us. Hear me. God help us. If we are so, let me, let me tell you what the gospel is not. The gospel is not me focused. Okay? It's not, I got my fire insurance and so I'm good now. No, this is meant to point others to Jesus. Just like he drew you, he's drawing others. Hear me, through you. He is drawing others to himself. Let's get into these judgments. Everybody say yay. Yay. All right. Who was that? (laughs) Somebody's really excited. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So we talked about the why. That's why we're doing this series. It's not so you can get a crystal ball and figure out what's about to happen. That's not it. It's a revelation of who? Jesus Christ. We should see Jesus Christ revealed in here. Okay, seven judgments. So just to tell you where we're at in the story. So John is seeing all these things. He's seeing these visions. God's giving it to him. Uh, The rapture of the church timeline-wise has happened. And the first first three and a half years of the tribulation have occurred in the seals. So those seven seals... 
They've happened, half the tribulation is over, okay? And so that's where we find ourselves in the other half. Last week we saw the lamb that was slain for you and I break the seventh seal, and that seventh seal revealed seven angels. Seven angels come out into the scene. Picture it with me. Seven angels show up, and they are handed seven trumpets. Seven trumpets. And and we'll start kind of chapter 8, verse 6. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. You can read right along. I'm not putting the scripture on the screen so you can be lazy, okay? Pull the Bible out. Flip it open. Turn through the pages. It feels good. It feels good. In chapter Revelation, it's the last book in the Bible. Easy to find. Chapter is the big number, chapter 8. And the little numbers are the verses. So chapter, uh, verse 6. The seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blasts. The first angel blew his trumpet. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to sleep today. No, no. Some of y'all thought, oh, he's coming! Take me! Oh, thank you, God. Take me with you. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. One third of the earth was set on fire, one third of the trees were burned, and all the green grass was burned. So the first trumpet sounded, and the Now notice a couple things. One, when you're reading Revelation, we already talked about this, it's apocalyptic literature, which means it is signs and symbols. It is not meant to be read literally. It is also not meant to be read chronologically. You know what that means? In order. Thank you. So some of these things might be out of order. For instance, in chapter 9, verse 4, we're going to see uh, that they were told uh, not to harm the grass, but uh, just in 8-7, it says all the grass was burned up. So why would he tell somebody not to burn something up that's already been burned up? You know what I'm saying? So it's not meant to be taken chronologically, but almost like in layers. If you look at uh, chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and one of the third of the sun was struck. So then we see all the, the moons and stars, they get struck, and it goes dark. Well, in 613, just a, a chapter or so back, we see it says, The stars of the earth fell out of the sky. So do you see what I'm saying? It can't be taken chronologically because that wouldn't make any sense. All the stars are gone. How did he take a third of them? So... Now, a lot of people say at this first trumpet blow that um, like a medi- meteors are coming out of the sky. We don't know exactly what this looks like, but here's the one thing we know. There is some major damage. Anybody ever had hail damage to your car? This is different. This destroys a third of the earth. Okay? So this is 
not light duty. The first trumpet brings hail and fire mixed with blood. This thing's a mess. Then the second angel blew his trumpet. And a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One third of the water in the sea became blood. One third of all things living in the sea died. And one third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. In all the apocalypse movies you've probably seen, there's this big ball that falls out of the sky. And we're about to find it at the third trumpet here in a second. This is saying a mountain, some some large figure comes out and destroys the water. Think about that. Now, we don't know where the blood comes from. Maybe when this mountain goes in the sea and it's destroying a third of all things. See, the Lord is still limiting here. He's not saying destroy it all. He's, He's still limiting the judgment here. Only one third. One third of all living things in the sea died. I. We were watching. No, I probably shouldn't bring it up. But how how many of you have seen Greyhound? New Tom Hanks movie about World War II? Are you serious? You got to watch that. You have got to watch it. It is like an hour and 45 minutes of accelerator to the floor action, based on true events, nonetheless. Anyway, these, it's about the Navy ships that were, we were sending supplies and allies over to Britain to help fight in World War II, and these ships were on the sea. Maybe you've seen some of this. How many of you have watched uh, Deadliest Catch? Okay, I've got a couple of you now. Um, I have zero desire to be on any body of water that can thrust an entire ship back and forth like that. I've been in scary situations in a canoe just trying to get away from snakes. God forbid I'm on the open sea. But think about this. A mountain hits the waterway and destroys a third of all the ships. Look, think about the ripple effect here. This is now affecting what people eat. It's affecting uh, where people get water. It's affecting people's livelihoods. It is destroying the earth. Verse 10, then the third angel blew his trumpet. That's good. You know, he used to play the trumpet back in the day. Yeah. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star, everybody say star, fell from the sky. Everybody look up. Okay. I'm just making sure it's not coming. Fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell on one-third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star was, some of your Bibles are going to say wormwood. Other Bibles are going to say bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter water. You know, there are countries, entire countries, that do not allow wormwood to be bought or sold or produced. 
This isn't just a biblical term. This stuff is deadly. And it makes the water so bitter. Now, so we've already seen a mountain take out like the big oceans and they've turned to blood. But now their drinking water's gone. All entirely different. And people died from drinking it. Number 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet. There are seven trumpet judgments, so there's still three more, okay? Thank you. (laughs) And one-third of the sun was struck, one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and they became dark. And one-third of the day was dark, and one-third of the night. So if you try to read this literally, you're thinking, oh, he takes a big chunk out of the moon. Uh, You still get light at nighttime, even if you take a part of the moon away. So, but one third of the night is now not lit up by the moon. Light is being removed, which is highly symbolic to the fact that the world is going dark. If it's not obvious, let me tell you something. You do not want to be here for this. Then, now watch. This is, these first four trumpets were the light duty judgments. Because look, in verse 13, then I looked and I heard a single eagle, some Bibles will say angel, crying loudly as if it flew, as it flew through the air, terror, 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 or whoa, 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 to all who belong to this world because of what will happen when the last three angels blow their trumpets. If I'm around at this time, and I, I, if I'm here, which I'm not going to be, no plans, okay? I know where my soul lies, but for those who are here, this is bad news. This is bad news. So the first four trumpets, these last three get intense. This eagle, this angel kind of flies across. Lots of Bibles say it was an angel that looked like an eagle. But anyway, this guy flies across. He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they call these last three trumpets um, uh, the the woe judgments, kind of the woes, the three woes. Chapter 9, verse 1 says this. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet. And I saw a star that had fallen to the earth from the sky, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When he opened it, smoke poured out. I thought about getting a smoke machine for today. I didn't. Smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace And the sunlight in the air turned dark from the smoke. Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth. And I'm just going to read this. Keep on reading with me, uh, verse 3. Chapter 9, verse 3. And they were given power to sting like scorpions. They were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees. But only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Let me pause 
You remember the 144,000? These are the people. They took seals on their forehead. Opposite the mark of the beast, which we'll talk about eventually. Verse 5. They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a scorpion sting. In those days, this is crazy. Pay attention to this. Watch. Verse 6. In those days, people will seek death, but won't find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. This is how bad this this fifth trumpet is. People want to die and they can't. Now look how wild these locusts look. And kids, if you're in the room, you can kind of try and imagine this with me if you want. But if you have nightmares at night, you might want to plug them up. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads, but they had human faces. They had hair like woman's hair and teeth like the teeth of a lion. Let me step over here for a second, because that's, that's kind of scary. And, and it's meant to be. It's also not meant to be taken literally, but the teeth of the lion represents this insatiable. These locusts come out, and they're coming after those who don't believe to torture them for five months. Now, hear this. Have you ever been in the mall or Walmart, and you see somebody? Well, I'll just tell you a story. I'm not going to place place you in the same category as me, but I'll tell you this. I'm going through Walmart. I see this individual out in front of me. I was over in the uh, outdoor section where the fishing poles are. And I see this person kind of facing this. I couldn't see their face. But they were looking through like the tennis balls over there or something. And um, <laughs> they looked like they were kind of lost. Couldn't figure it out. Long, kind of blonde hair. Really pretty blonde hair. I walk up. And I'm like, I'm going to help. I'm going to be helpful. Tap this young woman on the shoulder. Turns around. Wasn't a woman. Ever had that happen? It blew my hair back, all of it. And he, he had the deepest voice and the prettiest hair. It was wild. This is what I, so as I'm, re, I'm, as I'm studying this, I go back to this moment. Because I see this person with long woman's hair, but teeth like a lion out to devour. They have a leader. They come from this bottomless pit. And for five months, and then the last verse of of this trumpet, verse 12, says the first terror is past. But look, two more terrors are coming. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet. And I heard a voice 
speaking from the four horns of the gold altar that stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held his trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great uh, Euphrates River. Then the four angels, don't miss this, catch this, verse 15. Then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill a third of all the people on the earth. I heard the size of the army, which were 200 million mounted troops. This 200 million, not really an exact figure, but meant to represent numberless. It, it, it seemed to be uncountable. But I don't want you to miss this phrase. When these four angels go out to kill a third of all people, listen. They had been prepared for this hour, this day, and this month, and this year. Some people view Revelation as if, like God's just up on, on his throne, and he's just from the hip, just throwing judgments. No, no, he's not some side-saddled western cowboy. No, this was an exacted, specific, planned for event. God has it all planned. And honestly, he has it all under control. Everybody's like, man, this is like the worst Sunday ever. I promise it's not. Let me tell you what's worse than um, reading through Revelations. Going through the tribulation. Is that okay to say? Let me tell you what's worse. What's worse than sitting in an air-conditioned pew, having the gospel preached to you? Going to hell. And nobody likes to preach that. Nobody likes to talk about it. But there is heaven. There's hell. And there's a cross that paid for you. Hear me today. If you don't know him, you can know him today. You can know him today. This doesn't have to be the end of your story. You don't have to be here for this. This very morning, you can make a decision to know Jesus, to choose Jesus, to follow Jesus, and become one of his own to answer that call. Um, what, so let me, let me step aside for a second. If you are here and you're witnessing this, wouldn't you think that the automatic response is because we know they have already recognized that this is God's wrath. They know where this is coming from. Wouldn't you think that people would be like, yes to Jesus, and there will be some, but listen to this, look at this. John is shocked by some people's responses. Listen. In verse 20 it says, but the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders and their witchcraft and their sexual immorality or their thefts. So get this. There are people that in the face 
of all of this still cling to their idols? How does, that, how, how does that help me today, Pastor? How does that help me today? Hear this preacher. Do not underestimate the power of idols in your life. What's an idol? Huh? It could look different for everybody. Your pride can be an idol. Your money can be an idol. Other people's perception of you can be an idol. Now, these are talking about that they would actually craft gods and worship them. But can I tell you, Netflix can be an idol. Anything. Everybody say anything. Anything that you place in front of God is an idol. So what's getting in front of your prayer time? What's getting in front of reading your Bible? What's getting in front of you telling others about Jesus? It's an idol. How do I know what it is, Pastor? How do I know what the idol is? Look for what's blocking your relationship with God. Look, look for what's trying to wedge its way in for all your attention. Your kids can be an idol. A person can be an idol. My spare time can be an idol. You realize this. As I talk to retired folks, and I've talked to more in the last three years than... Uh, I probably ever would have should I have gone any other church. And l let me tell you something. We have the most ornery, passionate, faith-filled retirees I've ever met. People who are just stubborn to see the Lord move. And that's not a bad thing. Let me tell you something. I can't tell you how many retirees I've talked to that think that when they retired from work, they retired from gospel ministry as well. Uh-oh. Because some of, some of the retired folks I talk to uh, worship their uh, recreational time more than they worship the Lord. Oh, here we go. They worship success. Do not, I'm pleading with you, do not underestimate the power of idols in your life. And listen, if you leave here today with nothing else, I pray that the Holy Spirit right in this moment is pointing out to you what is an idol in your life that you're not willing to recognize. Because this is what it can turn into. That in the face of the wrath of God, you would say, I'm still not going to worship you because this is more important to me. God help us. So, uh, and, and I'm getting ready to close here in a second. We're going to take communion. I'm going to have some instructions for you. We see this little excerpt in chapter 10 where this angel shows up with a rainbow over his head. Just kind of this picture of pointing back to the rainbow in Genesis. That even in, even in the midst of all of this terror, there's hope. And he comes down with this scroll. He commands John to eat it. And we could go more in depth there, but I think there's some more important things I need to get to. John eats this, this book. He eats it. Just like Ezekiel. Ezekiel ate a book too. 
And he told John, hey, listen, you need to keep preaching. And then we find these two people um, called the two witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. A lot of people think in chapter 11 these two witnesses represent Moses and Elijah coming back to evangelize the earth. Nobody really knows who they are. Some people think they are um, just representative of God's people needing to spread the gospel. We said last week that even though this is called the Great Tribulation, it, it can also be called the Great Revival. More people will come to God during this time than ever in history. But we see this interesting story where these two witnesses show up. We see that Jerusalem is under attack. He tells John to go measure Jerusalem. But don't go measure the temple, not, the, not Jerusalem. Um, go measure the temple, but don't measure the outside because it's already been destroyed by folks. Kind of pointing to the fact that God's presence will be protected through all this. That God's presence will be in the midst of all of it. And for 42 months, how many of you know there's, a, there's right here in verse 3 or verse 2, it starts talking about 42 months. How long is 42 months? How many years is that? See, that's where we get the three and a half, where the other, um, so all the while, while all these things are going on, there are these two witnesses that are going about, two prophets, for all 42 months, telling people about the good news of Jesus. And God protects them for all 42 months. But in verse 7, it says, when they complete their testimony... How many of you know that God will complete what he starts? If you're in recovery, he'll complete what he starts. If, if you need uh, to be a better husband, he'll complete what he starts. If you need to be a better wife, he'll complete what he starts. This is also why we see where it says, um, uh, if you, uh, you don't spare the rod and you plant seeds in your children, it won't go away. It'll always be there. God completes what he starts. And so when they completed these 42 months, this beast came up out of the ground. Everybody say beast. This beast comes up out of the ground and kills them. And the Bible kind of talks right through here in chapter 11 where they let these guys lay in the street. Nobody buries them. They let these, and people were boasting this whole time. They're like, look, yeah, God really protected them. We, we got these two prophets. We killed them. The beast killed them. And now, let, who's more powerful? Now everybody's thinking, man, this guy, this, this beast is more powerful. Well, but after three and a half days, God breathed life into them in verse 11, and they stood up. And a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, come up here. And they rose. At the same time, in verse 13, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city. 7,000 people died in that earthquake, and everyone else was terrified and gave glory to God in heaven. You know what we just witnessed right here in 13? This is one of the prophecies we see where God brings back to himself the nation of Israel. 
He sent John over here to measure the temple in Jerusalem. And we see 7,000 people die because of this terrible earthquake. But the rest of them said, man, glory to God. This turning of the nation of Israel to God. The second terror is passed, but look, the third terror is coming. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. You know, the first couple times was funny. The third, fourth time, fifth time, it's like, okay, yeah, there's a trumpet blowing in church. I don't know if you felt it, but the sixth or seventh time, all of a sudden, there were people going to hear a real trumpet. Y'all realize I'm not up here preaching fairy tales. And there were loud voices shouting in heaven. This is where Handel got his, the Messiah. Have you heard that? Handel's the Messiah? The, Lord, the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders sitting around their throne before God fell on their faces and they said, We give thanks to you, Lord God, the Almighty, the one who is and always was. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful he is and always was? For now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were filled with wrath, but now is the time of your, uh, now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward the servants, your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It's time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. Now listen to this last verse. Try and picture this with me. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared. And there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. As Michael makes his way back up here and we get ready for communion, um, our leaders can come and sit on the front row you will. Takeaways. Some of you are like, man, what am I supposed to get out of that? Well, let me explain. The first thing I think we should take home with us is this. Judgment is coming and deserved. You will hear me preach this over and over and over again like a broken record. But what you deserved what the Christian, what the believer deserved, the wrath that, is, that we see all through here was taken on the person of Jesus Christ on the cross for you and I. I can't overpreach that. I can't overpreach the fact that what you deserved you won't get because of Jesus. Number two. His wrath was ultimately displayed on the cross. We think this is ugly. We think this isn't pretty. Take a time out. Take a time out and listen. You think all this is ugly, all this imagery is ugly? Picture your sin on the Son of God. Picture every wrong decision. Picture everything that you wish, you hope that God and everybody doesn't find out. Think about all those things and think about the nailed 
through the hand of Jesus, blood shed to cover it all for you. Not because you deserved it. You didn't earn it. Just because God is good and he is loving. Number three, and I love this, despite persecution, trouble, even death, Christ holds final authority in his hand. Listen to this. One of my favorite verses of all times is Romans 8.38. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Has life ever been so hard that you feel like maybe it's, it's coming, it's just pushing Jesus away from you? Death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today. Think about the church reading this as they're being persecuted and killed on the regular. They can go back here to Romans that said, no matter if I die, no matter how hard life gets, no matter the angels or demons that show up, no matter my fears, no matter my worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Hear me, believer. There's nothing that can separate you from Jesus today. There's nothing that can separate you. No matter how hard life gets, no matter what, look, I don't know what you're facing today. The uncertainty, the weight you may have carried in here, but hear me, it won't separate you from God's love. No. And in fact, for those who choose Christ, not even your sin can separate you from Jesus. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.